to Matthew chapter 9, verse 27. We're going to launch off here. Matthew 9, 27. This is a story about two blind men that were healed. We want to see some things here. And we have to get into this because religion gets mad when you start saying that you have a part to play. Religion will always say, well, you know, it's just all up to God. And we can't leave up to God what he has left up to us, right? God has provided salvation, healing, all of his blessings. He's provided them, how? By his grace. But we must possess with faith what he has given us by his grace. Now, the good news of that is it's completely up to you. It's for you. Everything that God has already provided, literally, he's already provided. It's not a matter of him giving you something. It's not a matter of him healing your body. It's a matter of you literally laying hold of it. And as we saw last week, the Holy Spirit, I mean, Jesus said, I'm going to send you another comforter. He's just like me. Well, we see Jesus helping this blind man at Bethsaida. He helped him get in a position to receive. He always did that. And he'll do that today. The Holy Spirit is on the inside of you, leading. He wants to lead you and guide you into all the truth, help you to lay hold of these things that God has provided for you. So in verse 27 of Matthew chapter 9, it says this, And when Jesus departed thence, Two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. Now this is real interesting. Thou son of David. That is a messianic title. Thou son of David, they're saying, they're saying Jesus, you're the Messiah. No doubt they had heard of Jesus. Right? Right? So they're following Jesus, crying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And here's the thing, Jesus does not turn around and go minister to them. He, he, he just keeps going. It's almost like he's ignoring them. Proverbs chapter 4 in about verse 22, it says, For the word of God is life to those that find it. Who's the word? Jesus. And it's health to all their flesh. But it denotes that you have to look for it. You have to hunger. You have to thirst. We're starting a big series. We started it last Wednesday night on the foundation of how to build a foundation of an effective prayer life. And we made this statement what gets big on the inside of you is what gets answered, right? So fervency is very important. So we see this right here in action. Jesus is walking. Now, is he ignoring them because he's rude? Or could it be like every instance, Jesus is helping them to get in a position to receive, right? So let's keep going with this. Thou son of David, have mercy on us. This word mercy literally means to be full of eager yearning. God is merciful. 
He literally today is yearning to see you grab hold and help you grab hold and walk in everything you need that he's provided for you. Is it possible for you to walk through this life and have all the pain that's in your body gone? Is it possible? It is. is has God provided that? Is it possible for you to get off all medication and still have everything working perfectly? Is it possible for you to have all of your debts paid off? Is it possible? Is it possible? It is. It is. And, and God is, he's merciful. He's full of eager yearning. He longs to see you walking in that. He's not mad at you. Right? He's not withholding. It's his will. So let's go on with this. Verse 28. And when he was come into the house, the blind men came to him. So think about that. So Jesus, he's walking He's walking, there's two blind guys. Now, if you're blind, it's not super easy to follow somebody, is it? Yep, right? You know, back then, if you've ever been in the Middle East, it, it's not easy to walk because there's rocks everywhere. There, it's not like here. You know, when you came to an intersection in Capernaum, there wasn't like a, a rough area to, to tell a blind person, okay, you're at an intersection now, you know, like we have. No, so they're, they're literally following him. That, that was hard. But literally, he just went into the house. He just kept walking and went right in his house. Think about that. But the blind men came to him. Jesus did not always make it easy for people. Why? We've said this before. If it's easy, when the enemy comes, you're not going to be able to hold on to it. So God has set this whole thing up. He wants you to lay hold of things. The Bible says, what things soever you desire when you pray... Believe that you receive them. That word receive literally means to seize hold of and take them, and you'll have them. And oh, he'll help you do it. So they come to him in the house. And Jesus said unto them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? They, need, they, they wanted their sight. So what did Jesus say? So do you believe? Right? Do you believe that I'm able to restore your sight and heal you from blindness? It was, a, it was a right in your face. You'll notice this about God. There is no gray area with him. He doesn't manipulate. It's just he tells it the way it is. Right? And look at what they said. They said unto him, Yes, Lord. Yes, Jesus, I believe that you can heal my blindness. That's a pretty powerful statement, isn't it? I believe that. See, they had to put their faith in the fact that Jesus was able to heal them. Right? Now, a lot of us in today's society, we believe, oh yeah, God's able. 
But we've sat under hundreds of, hundreds of years of teaching that's filled with doubt and unbelief that tells us, well, yeah, God is able, but, you know, he, he, he's sovereign and, and he, knows, he knows best and, you know, he may, he heals some and he doesn't heal others. And we think, now when we sit under the word long enough, we sit here and go, well, that just sounds foolish because there's no scripture, right? You know, for something to be scriptural, you have to have scripture, right? But it's amazing how when you hear that nonsense, it, it'll start affecting you. That's why Jesus said, be really careful what you hear, who you hear, and how you hear. We believe God's word. That's the final authority. Don't believe my opinion. Don't even ask me for my opinion. I don't even want my opinion. Right? I want what God, what God says for me to do. What, what he says is truth. It's not subject to change. The fact that 2,000 years ago, Jesus, as much as he, all of my sin was condemned in his body, all of the weight and judgment of all the sickness and disease that was covered in his body. Do you know all the poverty and lack? He, he, was, he died for that too. So none of that stuff has any legal right in my life anymore. That's Bible. You literally, in the redemptive act of Jesus, you can't separate sin from healing from provision. He redeemed us from all of it. All of it. So here it is. They said unto him, Yes, Lord. Then Jesus, then touched he their eyes, and look at what he said. Because I'm the Son of God, receive your sight. Does it say that? Isn't that amazing? What does it say? It says something crazy. According to your faith, be it unto you. In other words, the, the determining factor on these two guys receiving their sight was not the power of God, it was their faith. Amen. That was the determining factor. As we said last week, there's 19 individual cases of healing in the Gospels of the ministry of Jesus. Ten out of the 19 literally say things like this. Woman with the issue of blood. Woman, your faith has made you whole. Jesus didn't even, all of a sudden he's walking to Jairus' house and he's like, whoa, wait a minute, somebody touched me. He didn't even initiate it. That lady's faith pulled that healing right out of him. Isn't that amazing? So in order for that to be true, it has to be God's will all the time for you to be healed. It has to be. Right? In the same way that it's God's will for everybody to be saved. Could you imagine if we had an altar call and, and somebody came up here to be saved and you started hearing me say, okay, so now we're going to pray and we're going to ask God to, he, to save you today so that you can be born again and go to heaven and miss hell. And, and we're just going we're, we're to hope it's his will. We'd be like, what? I, uh, that's it. I'm out. I'm not going back to that faith family church. Are you kidding me? Right? 
I mean, I'd be right with you. I'm leaving too. That's just stupid. <laughs> but why do we believe that, of course, everyone who comes to Jesus, everyone who believes on the name of the Lord is saved, but not everyone who believes on the name of the Lord is healed? Hmm. Because that doesn't fit, right? See, many believers emphasize God's will, and they miss it. Well, you know, I, I asked God to heal me. The denomination that I grew up in, you would pray, Father, I ask that you'd heal me. I need, I need healing in my body. If it be your will, in Jesus' name, amen. And you know that never gets answered. Because we already know his will. So, but, but wait, now wait a minute though. Jesus played if it, prayed if it be your will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to come to Faith Family Church on Wednesday night because that's the prayer of consecration. That's not the prayer of faith. Could you imagine today, NFL. So, so it's kickoff time, right? The Saints or the Patriots are going to beat up on some team. And uh, they, they kick the ball off. And the Patriots are playing, they get the ball, and they're playing, let's say they're playing, who do we want to pick on today? The, Mi the Miami Dolphins. Are they in the NFL still? So, not, <laughs> NFL, not for long, I don't know, I don't know, sorry. Okay, I just lost everybody, okay, it's going to be okay. So, so, but the Dolphins are going to play, maybe that's, this is their problem, they're playing according to the rules of basketball. So here comes this guy running with the ball, and, and they, they don't want to tackle him because that would be a foul in basketball. Would that work? No. That would not work in the same way that praying, God, please heal me, if it be your will, or please, Father, I need finances to pay my bills, if it be your will. That you're, 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 that's the wrong prayer. It just doesn't work. You gotta pray the prayer of faith. What is the prayer of faith? Father, I believe I receive, thank you, In Jesus' name. I can't pray the prayer of faith without knowing God's will, and, and his will is really, really laid out here. Right? So let's keep going with this. Many believers are emphasizing, emphasizing God's will, and they're doing it because of what they've been taught, and they're doing it based on their looking at their circumstances. Well, I asked God to heal me, and I guess he didn't because I still feel pain. And, and feeling pain after you pray has nothing to do with the believing that you receive your healing. The Bible says you believe you receive and you shall have. Many times in the ministry of Jesus, it's a progressive. It's the Greek word iaomai. They were, they were doctored. They were cured. As they went, they were whole. Now, this instance, they were healed instantly. So it's real interesting when you start looking at these things. Be it unto you, according to your faith. According to your faith, be it unto you. Remember that. So now... Let's look at another story real quick. The man with the lunatic son, his son was healed. 
So this, this one, if you're, if you're taking notes, this story was in three of the four Gospels. It's found in Matthew 17, in verse 14 to verse 21, right? It's also in Mark, which is what we're going to look at today. Mark 17, or I'm sorry, Mark chapter, if you have Mark 17, you're in trouble. Mark chapter 9, verse 17 through verse 27. And then in Luke chapter 9, verse 37 through verse 42. So now let's go to Mark's account, Mark chapter 9, verse 17. Actually, I'm going to back up. I'm going to read starting in verse 14 just to kind of get a background. It says, And when he came to his disciples, this is Mark 9, 14, he saw a great multitude about them and the scribes questioning with them. And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed and running to him, saluted him, and he asked the scribes, what question ye with them? So, now in Luke's account, in Luke 9.37, it tells us that the day before this happened, right, Jesus, Peter, James, and John were on Mount Tabor, and Jesus was transfigured before them, Right? It says that Jesus spoke with Moses and Elijah. No doubt, you know, in the Old Testament, God always told the prophets what he was going to do, and the prophets went and told the people. I believe that one reason why he did that is he told Moses and Elijah, I'm here, I'm on the earth. Go tell the people down in paradise, I'm about to redeem them. Right? So, so here he is, and then, then Peter, James, and John, I'm sure Peter is the one that really had this idea to start with. Knowing him, hey, you know, this is so awesome, we should build tabernacles. And then God, then they heard the voice of God. Right? This is my beloved son, hear him. Right? So this just happened the day before. Now they're coming down from the mountain, and Jesus, after being transfigured, is seeing the other nine disciples. Now remember, he sent them out and gave them power to heal the sick, to cast out devils, all this stuff. And he sees scribes around him, questioning him, people around him. And so he's walking up and he says to the scribes, why are you questioning? What are you questioning them about? Right? So the scribes, they were questioning the nine disciples as to why they could not heal or deliver this man's son. They're asking him, why not? Why can't you guys do this? You know, Ephesians 5.17 says, don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. It's a great, great scripture. Always remember that. When people tell you, well, you just never know. You never know what God's going to do. Well, the Bible says don't be unwise, but not only know it, but understand the will of the Lord. So Jesus, after the Holy Spirit came upon him, he was led by the Spirit of God. Remember when he was baptized? He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And when he was in there, he confronted demonic forces, Satan himself, right? So now he had given his disciples power over this, over the enemy. So now let's pick up in verse 17 of Mark chapter 9. It says, And one of the multitude 
answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which has a dumb spirit. Really, all of them are dumb. But you know, you know what I'm, I'm just joking right now. It says in verse 18, And wheresoever or where he takes him, he tears him, and he foams and gnashes with his teeth and pines away. And I spoke to your disciples that they should cast him out, and they couldn't. Okay? So this is what's happening. Jesus is asking the scribes. The father tells them the story. Matthew's account says this. You don't have to turn there, but I'm going to read Matthew 17. I'll read verse 14 through verse 16. It says, And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's a lunatic and sore vexed, and often he falls into the fire and often into the water, and I brought him to your disciples, and they could not cure him. Luke's account tells us that this was this, was this man's only son. So all three accounts tells us that the man brought the son to the disciples, and they could not cast the devil out of the son. Okay? So Luke chapter 9, in verse 1 if you back up before this event happened, look at Luke 9.1. You don't have to turn there, but look up on the screen. Then he called his 12 disciples together and he gave them power, that's a Greek word dunamis, and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. He gave them delegated authority. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, Matthew's account, and when he called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. But for some reason, they couldn't cast this one out. Okay? So, is it true that they did not cast out the devil from that little boy and heal him? Yes, that's true. But it's not true that they couldn't heal him or couldn't cast that devil out because God gave them power to do it. Jesus, Jesus gave them delegated authority to do it. So the man says, hey, your, your guys couldn't do it. Is it true that they couldn't do it? Nope. No, it can't be true because God gave them power to do it. But just because they gave, he gave them power to do it doesn't mean it's going to happen. We learn later why. Jesus, you know, they went to Jesus and said, hey, why didn't this work? And Jesus said this, and it really confused a lot of people because they don't look at the whole story. But when Jesus said to him, he said, listen, this, this kind comes out only through, through prayer and fasting. So people start thinking, oh, okay, this demon's so strong that I gotta pray and fast to get it out. No, 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 no. What you find out is it was pride and strife that they were in, they're, they're, they're talking about who, who do you think is going to be greatest in the kingdom. They were all about themselves, and that kept them. In the same way, when you and I get all about ourselves, and our life becomes the center, and God's peripheral, even though God has provided things, we're unable to lay hold of them. There's some great principles that this shows us. 
So the disciples' failure to get the boy healed and set free did not prove the will of God. See, we look at it and go, well, if, if somebody, have you ever talked to somebody and told them that healing is God's will for everybody and they look at you and go, no, that can't be true. What do they always say? Well, my grandmother who loved God with all of her heart, my husband, my this, my that, right? Believed God with all their heart and never got healed. So it can't be God's will. Well, wait a minute. We have an example right here. It was God's will that those disciples deliver that boy from that devil. They had authority to do it. But because of where they were, they couldn't. Because they were in strife and they were in pride. In the same way, that stops us too. Right? Very simple. If you notice something about God, here, here's God. God gets very pleased when we operate in faith. Faith pleases him. Unbelief irritates him. To Jesus, there was no excuse for unbelief. It's like, what? wait a minute, I, my father said this. What, what, what is your problem? Right? And when you really think about it, has God said anything? He, not only will he not lie, the Bible says he can't lie. You've heard me say this. If he said it was Monday, all, everybody would be like, if God said all of a sudden, hey, it's Monday at noon, or it's Monday at 10 after 11, all of us would be like, oh my gosh, i got to get to work. Because guess what? It would be Monday. Right? There's no excuse for unbelief. Why? Because he's never failed us. He's never forsaken us. But unbelief will choke you off from the blessing of God. It'll keep you out. Matthew 19, verse 26 says this, But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men... This is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Wow. Luke's account in Luke 18, 27, it says it this way. And he said, all things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Interesting. Matthew's account in verse, chapter 17, verse 20, And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. If you had faith, you would say. Interesting. There's a lot of people that we know that think they're in faith, but they're not in faith. If you're stressed, you're not in faith. Because faith is a rest. If, if you're not in joy and peace, you're not in faith. Now here's, here's the thing you got to be careful of, though. Because you could have faith in your heart, but be struggling with some doubt in your head. And you could feel stressed. But just because you feel fear or stress or something like that, tell it to get out of your life. 
Because here's the really cool thing. All this stuff happens as you believe, and believing is simply a choice. I got saved because I simply believed that a man, Jesus, who they told me lived 2,000 years ago in a place that I had never been before, died on a cross that I didn't see, came out of a grave that I didn't see, and is now seated in heaven, a place where I've never been, and I chose to believe that. And then I acted on that belief, and I became brand new and was born again. When God says in Galatians 3 that Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law because he was made a curse for me. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. And when I see the curse of the law is spiritual death, sickness and disease, poverty and lack. And I realize, wow, Christ has redeemed me from sickness and disease. It has no legal right. And I simply believe that and then act on that, I'll walk in it. Because I bring it to pass? No, no, no. No, the word brings it all to pass. Right? This is very, very important. So look at, let's jump back to Mark's account here. We're in verse 19. He answered him and said, O faithless generation. How, how would you like to be his disciples right now? I mean, Jesus transcends the disciples. Yep, you're faithless. But then he goes, oh, faithless generation. So now he just, he just covers everybody living on the planet. Oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? And then he says, bring him to me. So here's Jesus. You got scribes, you got multitudes of people. He's like, oh, faithless generation. Okay, bring, dad, bring him to me. So the disciples failed because of their unbelief. We see personal ambition, strife was the reason for their unbelief. See, I don't care how much authority you have, because as a believer, you know how much authority you have? You have all authority. Jesus came out of the grave and said, listen, guys, now it's a new day. All authority in heaven, on earth, and under the earth has been given to me, Jesus, and now I'm giving you my name. Now you go in my name. In other words, he gave us his authority on this earth. But you could have all that authority and not do anything if you have selfish ambition, pride. It'll, it'll stop all of it. Even after coming out of the glory, Jesus still put the responsibility on the individual's faith. Do you see that? It's amazing. Faith in God will always bring you out. Say this with me. My faith in God, My faith in God will always, always bring me, me out of everything that I could ever face. It's absolutely true. Faith comes how? By hearing God's word, right? So now let's look at verse 20. Mark 9, 20. And they brought him unto him. So they brought the, the, the boy to Jesus. And when he saw him, straightway this evil spirit that was in him tore him. And he fell on the ground, was wallowing around, foaming. Now, what does Jesus do? So the minute... 
Jesus looked at the boy, the demon on the inside of him, threw him on the ground, and he's wallowing around, foaming at the mouth. And you would think that would, that would have affected Jesus a little bit. So while this kid is doing this, and this demon is doing this to, to this child, look at what Jesus does. He's asking the father. He asked the father, how long is it ago since this came to him? Hey, how long, how long has this been going on? Notice he's not dealing with Satan. He's not even paying attention. And he's surely not moved by anything that the enemy's doing. In the same way, when you're in faith, I don't care what's going on in your body, in your life, you will get, you just won't, you won't care. You'll refuse to care because you're at rest, because you're fully persuaded that what God says is true. As we sang last week, you already know the end of the story. Don't worry about the doctor's report you're going to get this week. You already got the final one. Does that make sense? You go to a doctor and that report, it looks like it gets worse. So what? Does that change God? Nope. You leave that. Thank you, doctor. You walk out of there and say, Father, I thank you that I believe your report. By your stripes I am healed. Father, I thank you, according to Romans 8, 11, the same power that you rose Jesus from the dead with, right now you're quickening my mortal body. You're healing it. You're restoring it to health. You're making it whole. I am not moved by anything that I see. I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm moved only by what I believe, and I believe you. Let every man be a liar, but let you be true. That's faith. So here we have it, verse 21, he asked the father, how long is it ago since this came to him? And he said, of a child. Verse 22, and oftentimes it's cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. Now notice, this is what happens. The kid is once again having a, an attack from, this, from, this, from the enemy. Jesus asks him, how long has it been that, when did this come upon him? That's all he asked him. But notice what fear will do. He has to go into it. He has to tell Jesus all about it. Didn't he already tell Jesus that? He wallows, he foams, he pines away. He already said that. Notice he said it again. In the same way, have you ever faced anything? Everything within you just has to talk about it. What is that? That's the enemy. God says, this is why you have to keep your eyes on the word. I'm telling you, what do you believe in God for today? Right? If you're single and you're believing God for a spouse, the Bible says you believe, you receive, and you'll have. So do you ever have to be stressed if it's not happening in your time frame? No, because you already have your spouse, right? If you're, if you're sick today, if you have something going on in your body, if you have debt, do you have to be stressed about it? No, because God's already given you his answer. And he doesn't expect you to bring it to pass. He expects him to bring it to pass. He just expects you to believe him. Because if you don't believe him, he can't do it because he'd have to violate your will and he can't do that. That's 
It's very, very simple. It says, and oftentimes it casts him to the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But then he says, but if you can do anything, have compassion. This is the Greek word mercy. But Jesus, if you can do anything, have mercy on us and help us. Did you notice? The moment the boy's father speaks of the difficulty of the circumstances, he falls into a state of discouragement and cries out to Jesus to have mercy on the son. In other words, he falls into the state of discouragement and he throws all the responsibility on God. Right? In the same way, have you ever done that? We've all done that, haven't we? Right? And are we minimizing the circumstance? No, we're talking about the way out. And this makes religious people mad that you preach about this. But I got to tell you, we're going to talk about it because Jesus wants people free. And this isn't some little fad thing. The Bible's true. This story's true. If you don't have faith in God's word, you don't have faith in God. You can't separate faith in God from faith in his word. It's, it's the same. Verse 23, Jesus said unto him. So the, the father in desperation goes, if you can do anything, have mercy on us. Look at what Jesus says to him. If you can believe all things are possible to him that believes. That's a little vague in the King James. The American Standard Version brings it out even a little clearer in the Greek. Jesus said unto him, if you can, exclamation point, all things are possible to him who believes. So Jesus is, the guy's saying, Jesus, if you can do anything, and Jesus is saying, no, no, it's if you can do anything. He throws it right back at the guy. The Good News Bible says this, and and I say Bible very loosely, it's a a paraphrase, but it, it really brings out the Greek in this verse. It says it this way, yes, said Jesus, if you yourself can, exclamation point, everything is possible to the person who has faith. Wow. The easy to read version, which is really easy to read. Jesus said to the father, Why did you say, if you can, all things are possible to the one who believes? Notice Jesus put it right back on the Father. He said, listen, this is in your hand. It's already God's will that your son be delivered, but you have to believe it. Man, right now, we should just be rejoicing because you have your answer. If the word says that he's given you something, then it's yours. All you got to do is believe it, receive it, and act on it. Right? So the literal Greek would say, if I can, this is literally the way it would read in the Greek. Jesus would say to him, if I can? And then he looked at him and goes, believe. All things are possible to him that believes. Jesus, if you can do anything, please have mercy on us and help us. If I can? No, 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 no. 
believe because all things are possible to him that believes. The whole New Testament, it emphasizes the person's faith. And it says it over and over again. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and he upbraids not. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For let not, let not that man, the man that, that wavers, think he can receive anything from the Lord. Notice God's still giving, but you can't receive it if you're not in faith. You, you can only receive what you believe. Right? This is huge. It's not a matter of what God can do. It's a matter of what you and I can believe. You cannot leave up to God. The Holy Spirit's a teacher. You cannot leave up to God what he's left up to you. Right? And the Holy Spirit is teaching us right now. He's bringing revelation. It's very simple. You cannot make his responsibility what he's made our responsibility. Right? Your faith is the determining, determining factor in your healing. Not, and I could say healing, I could say provision, I could say everything. Your faith is the determining factor, not the power of God, not the will of God, right? Because he wants, it's his will. His power is available to usward who believe. No belief, there's no power. This word is literally voice activated. You, when you believe this in your heart and confess it out of your mouth, the power of God is right there. It literally made all of us brand new. Yes, it did. And we receive everything from God the same way we got saved. It's no different. It's not based on what you need. It's not based on what you want. It's not based on what's fair, on what's right. It's not fair that people are dying of cancer. It's not fair that children are dying of sickness and disease. It's not fair that you have pain in your body. Why? Why is it not fair? Because Jesus already provided it. But but God can't get it out unless you believe him. Isn't this a simple message? I hope this excites you. Because he'll help you. We do not receive from God according to what we need, according to what we want, according to what's fair, right? We don't receive from him according to what's right. We don't even receive from him according to God's will. We receive from him according to our faith. Now, if it's not God's will, can we have faith? No. Right? Because faith begins where the will of God is known. People will say about what we teach from the word of God, which they call it the word of faith. They make fun of it, but that's what Paul preached. See, when you preach the word, faith is birthed so you could lay hold. But of course we can't just dictate, hey, God, I want this, or I want that. No, no, no. We have to find out if he said he provided it for us. But when we find out he provided it for us, then we grab hold of it with our faith. Right? Very important. Verse 24, and straightway, 
after Jesus said this to him, if I, if I can do something, no, 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 you believe. For all things are possible to him who believes. Look at what it says. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. I mean, just, he believes it in his heart, but his mind's given him a little trouble. Faith will work in your heart with thoughts of doubt in your head. When you're ministering to people, you got to get people to respond from their heart, not their head. That's how you minister to people, right? We as believers should never say what this man said. Why? Because you're a believer. You're born again. You know the word. Well, pastor, come on. I, I doubt in my mind too. Yeah, renew your mind with the word. He didn't know that. See, this doesn't make you real popular as a pastor, but I'm going to always tell you like it is. Listen, you're not an Old Testament Jewish man, right, who doesn't know anything. So, Lord, help my unbelief. You know what the Holy Spirit's going to say? Meditate in the Word. That's right. Present your body a living holy sacrifice. Suck it up. Get over yourself. Right? Stop saying these stupid things. Stop listening. Stop going to this place and hearing messages that suck the faith out of you. Surround yourself with people of faith so that you can call, hey, Mark, listen, brother, can you tell me how healed I am today? Right? Just, just tell me. Mark will kick in. Yeah, hey, it's written, it's written, it's written, and by the time we get off the phone, great. Right? Hey, tell me how blessed. But see, here's the thing. When you surround yourself with the right people, you start going in a wrong direction, all of a sudden you'll get a text. You're blessed. The word says this, right? Because the Holy Spirit's helping you. That's why we want to surround ourselves with the right in, in the right environment. So here we go. 2 Corinthians 4.13. What does it say? We've read it a million times. We having the same spirit of faith According as it is written, we, what? We, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We believe, and therefore we speak. I believe the word of God in my heart, and I speak it out of my mouth. So verse 25 of, of Mark chapter 9, let's keep going with this. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked. So, so here the man, Jesus says, bring the child, or bring the young man up to me. And, and the demon throws him on the ground. He's wallowing. He's foaming. They have this little interlude. And then all of a sudden, the man's like, Jesus, I believe. Help my unbelief. Notice Jesus did. Because all the people that were around start seeing this kid freaking out. So they're running up. Right? And look at, when, when Jesus saw the people come running together, he just rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him, and he was as one dead, insomuch that many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. So did you see how Jesus was helping the man? All these people running around, coming up, 
there would have been all this doubt and unbelief. Oh my gosh, what's going on? So Jesus helped him once again, took care of it. He'll do the same for you. If you're believing God for something right now, I'll guarantee you, if you get quiet, you'll know exactly what you're to do. The problem is, here's the problem in our church, the American church. We don't, we don't care what we're supposed to do. We're going to do what we want to do. And, and yet, it's, it's foolishness because, you know what? I want God to bless me. You know, I go to this church that preaches that God wants to bless me financially. Now, pastor, if you take 30 more seconds in an offering and talk about how I'm supposed to tithe, I'm out. I'm going down the street somewhere else. Okay, go. Right? Because there's nothing we can do. Now, I would suggest just come to church later. Right? You're already probably coming late if you're not honoring God anyway. Now, I sit in the front row I don't see when anybody comes in. I close my eyes, and you know what? I don't even care. You know why? Well, I care. I, I don't care. I don't like the word care. I care so much about you. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to carry it because I'm going to be no good to you if I don't keep myself right. And, guys, now my wife would never tell you because she doesn't throw me under the bus. Maybe this is a marriage seminar. Spouses, don't throw your spouse underneath the bus, right? But she knows I'm human. And I'm up to here with me. I'm like, man, how could somebody read 70 books on marriage and still do some of the stupid things, right? How can I meditate in the word day and night and still be a 278-pound baby? Sometimes I'm just like, wow, 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 and the Holy Spirit's going, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh. And then my wife goes, should you be saying that, Pastor? I'm like, oh. And I hear these wonderful words come out of my spirit. Get over yourself. But because I'm full of the word, guess what? I could adjust and repair. So I'm never going to work out your salvation. That's not my job as your pastor, right? But I'm saying, don't say no to the Holy Ghost. Do what he says. Yeah, but it hurts. No, no, it hurts your flesh. Your spirit loves it. Amen. Right? Just be willing and obedient. You'll eat the good of the land. We'll leave it at that one. Verse 25, Jesus ministered to this boy before the crowd with any unbelief could gather around the father. Right? It's amazing. Faith is a choice. I want to read something just kind of as we close here. I'm getting fairly close to closing. Mark chapter 16. I want you to see this. Mark chapter 16 verse 9. It's according to your faith. If you leave here with nothing else, realize and rejoice in the fact that you can make the changes necessary. You can believe God and receive anything that he's already given you. Isn't that awesome? Mark chapter 16, verse 9, it says, Now when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, now he just came out of the grave, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. Verse 10, when she went and told them that had been with him, and they mourned and wept, 
And they, when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, believed not. Now he told them he was going to raise, but they believed not. In other words, they decided and made a choice that I don't believe it. Okay? So this is just happening. Verse 12. After that, he appeared in another form unto two of them as they walked and went into the country. And, when, and they went and told it to, unto the residue, neither believe they them. So there's unbelief everywhere. Verse 14. Afterward, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart. Wow. So they didn't believe it, and what did Jesus do? He upbraided them for their unbelief and hardness of heart. The word is telling us, stop the unbelief. Right? Faith is a choice. It comes from hearing God's word. Believing is simply a choice. It's like forgiveness. It's, see, a lot of people, a lot of people are not receiving anything from God because they won't forgive this person that hurt them that probably forgot that they hurt them. And, and, and we sit there and go, well, I can't forgive because they did something horrible. No, no, no. Forgiveness is not condoning but I'm choosing to forgive them. I am so thankful that nobody who's ever done anything to me will ever have to stand before God and give an account for it. And not only that, they won't even suffer on this, you know, the wages of sin is death. They won't have to suffer for it here. Because every day, I'm like, Lord, I declare, I forgive everyone who's ever wronged me. I usually add, because man, I've... Nobody's ever wronged me in any way close to the way I've wronged you, right? But I choose and declare today that I harbor no unforgiveness in my heart towards anyone. I forgive them. If I ever hear that somebody's talking about me or something, this or that, whatever, I just like, Father, I say to you right now, I forgive them. You said in your word, whosoever sins I remit, you would remit. So don't hold these sins against them. They don't even know what they're doing. Bless them. Bless them. Right? Sometimes I'll bless them. It's just, it's the way you stay free. Faith works by love. God wants you free. Right? Jesus upbraided them because they would not believe, not because they could not believe. They were unpersuadable. Unpersuadable. It says here, and I'll close with this, in Hebrews eleven six, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Faith is very important to God. Faith is the way you live. Faith is the way that you walk. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world system. Faith is the way that we please God. Faith is the way that we receive from God. Amen? You know, i got to read one more scripture to you. This was so good. This will bless you. Psalm 27, 13. This is David. He said, I had fainted unless I had believed 
to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He didn't say, I would have fainted had I not seen the goodness of the Lord. No, he said, I would have fainted had I not believed to see the goodness of the Lord. You're a believer today. Everything in your heart knows you know enough to lay hold of all that you need in your life. And all of heaven is behind you. Your God loves you. The Holy Spirit believes in you. And he is very confident that he will get you from where you are to where you're to be. Amen? So rejoice and be excited about that. Don't beat yourself up. There's no guilt, shame, and condemnation to those that be in Christ Jesus. And what does it mean to be in Christ Jesus? Romans tells us, you're in Christ if so be that his spirit dwells in you. God loves you today. He has a great plan for your life. And he's going to help you walk it out. Amen?